Hey guys, and welcome back to the third episode of the Ancient Podcast. I'm your host, Sammy, and I've got one of my long-time, all-time friends here from high school, Daniel Brown. Hi, Daniel. Hey, guys. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. How have you been? I feel like I haven't seen you in a long, 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 long time. You know, I've been okay. I've just been keeping my head above waters yeah. um, and just adjust to mom life and focusing on my future plans and you know because literally the last time i saw uh, daniel she was um yeah she didn't have a baby and she had a baby so congratulations yeah, thank you <laughs> how is mom life going um do you know what it has its challenges but it's actually it's going okay i would say okay from what like the advice that i received mm-hmm. upon co- becoming a mom yeah um i think a lot of people were like oh it's so hard it's so this it's so that mm-hmm. but I just think you get in your routine with your baby, you sort your mental health out and you just stay on top of things. So it's been great. Um, I can't complain. I've got a beautiful daughter, so I'm happy. I'm really happy for you. So how was your mental health like throughout the pregnancy and stuff like that? Throughout the pregnancy, if I'm being honest, my mental health was completely rubbish. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even lie to you. And wait, sorry, just, just to cut you off then, um, for our viewers, do you mind like going over your diagnosis for us? Yes. Yeah, so I was that, di- well, I am diagnosed with um, depression, anxiety and emotional disorder. So I got diagnosed when I was about 21, 22, 21, 22. Mm -hmm. But I always knew that I had depression. Well, Mm -hmm. not always knew, but once I found out what depression was and I was able to recognise and label how I was feeling, what I was going through, I was able to say, yeah, I'm depressed. Mm -hmm. But I never knew that I was anxious until after when I started going to therapy Mm -hmm. and I started talking about stuff and be like, why are you so worried about like the smallest things? Mm -hmm. And then, for example, I would have like a little meltdown about the most that the stupidest things <laughs> with to be sorted in the next hour yeah. so um yeah that's my diagnosis so so like yeah going back to your the original question I was yeah. so how was it during your pregnancy um uh, during pregnancy obviously you're very hormonal yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> i think the circumstances around uh, my pregnancy mm-hmm. um and what was happening in my personal life at that time um my mental health was kind of non-existent um i had like multiple breakdowns i Mm. had to be signed off work um for like a few weeks um i would be crying uncontrollably Um, i couldn't eat but then again that was also morning sickness Mm. but um i had a lot going on i felt i didn't really feel any self-love towards myself yeah and if you i don't know Obviously, your viewers probably won't know, but yeah. I hid my pregnancy for six, seven months. Damn. And then, yeah. Was, only... was there any, like, particular reason behind that? Yeah, there was a particular reason because I felt like I didn't really have any support of, like, close friends who mm-hmm. would, like, encourage me um, and try and keep my head above the waters. But it's kind of one of those things where I was pregnant, but I didn't like being pregnant. So mm-hmm. I was looking at it like, well, I'm not brave enough to sacrifice and do anything to not be pregnant. Um, so it was a thing where okay I'm pregnant but in my back of my head I was hoping that I wasn't pregnant Um, so it was kind of like it was the thing where I was like punching my stomach I was not doing that I was very caring towards being pregnant I was you know very tender to the fact that there was a live blossoming inside of me but that's so beautiful when you say it like that right (laughs) I know but it was just a thing where I was just ashamed because I felt like so many questions would arise about the dad about this about that Mm. questions that I weren't ready to answer at that time question that I was 
ashamed to answer so mm. um yeah i went through like a really hard time during the pregnancy um i think it was about six seven months when i finally made it public mm. that i started to kind of feel celebrated and i started enjoying my pregnancy and that's when i started posting like, a cute face <laughs> but the best thing that i have in my life is that regardless of the bad seeds i have some good people around me that encourage mm. me that you know kept me going because i remember even you sending me little messages be like babe you. you know you know just little messages like that so if Eventually, it did get better in the end. Mm -hmm. uh, my mental health did get better, but throughout the pregnancy, it was kind of non-existent. I was very depressed. Um, I wouldn't say suicidal because I couldn't think like that because I had to think like a mom yeah. and I had to be and, protective and of the baby. Did that kind of come like as soon as you were pregnant? Did that did that maternal feeling grow or was it like nah, I'm a mom uh, now, so I need to pattern? Like or... yeah, the maternal the maternal instincts definitely kicked in. Yeah. I was in mom mode. I was ready to take anyone on. I was like, oh. yeah, it's me and my bump against the world. <laughs> okay. What 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 are you gonna do? You know. Um, but yeah, maternal instincts definitely kicked in from when I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, I was very mindful of what I was putting in. in my body because i had someone growing in me so yeah it definitely kicked in when people were asking you about you know the, the child's father mm -hmm. and stuff like that like i can imagine that's just like that's just no yeah. one's business do you like... know what it was yeah it was a thing where <laughs> yeah before like getting pregnant having a baby i did not realize how much society as a whole looked down on single moms mm. and it was since becoming a mom i saw like the backlash and i'm just like because at the end of the day i have a well not me my child father who's very active yeah who does his, his part financially so i can say i'm a bit more blessed not even blessed but i'm more fortunate than mm. others that have completely been left alone to deal with the responsibility of a child yeah and i agree with you there, there is a lot of stigma around you know single yeah. moms and yeah and i and feel like it's like okay she posts that she's pregnant where's the man actually facing a man and a lot of people actually a lot of people actually came out and asked like no way who got you pregnant and i'm like it's not anyone's business because honestly even being friends like i just didn't i didn't deem it my business yeah it's like, just I a just... thing where she's having a baby that's it congratulations yeah. that's, most, that's an amazing blessing that, that is literally it but i just feel like some people go out their way to make what's not their business their business, business. And... but no honestly i just I, like i'm really really proud of you thank like, you watching you soldier through your pregnancy having the baby during covid i know which was <laughs> it was hard with the, incredible it was hard because yeah. it was a thing where my pregnancy was already high risk because mm. I'm, I'm i have type 1 diabetes so my pregnancy yeah. was already high risk so covid and all of that mm -hmm. just added more anxiety at imagine. one point i literally had to block sky news on twitter mm. i had to block certain oh, words yeah, no, out yeah. mute it mm -hmm. i wasn't really as soon as i saw something like baby catch covid midwife have covid mom have covid i was just panicking yeah. i literally called the hospital and i was like yeah um, i'm having a home birth and they're like yeah well you're diabetic you can't do that you know mm. it was like it's very hectic and honestly i'm so so proud of you man i can't thank say you. it enough like Fine, and a little you. little background on on me and daniel so we met in school yeah <laughs> in high school in good year year nine was it year nine yeah year nine when, yeah. You, when you came to join us when i came you... to join preston manor yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. preston manor that was a place huh i know it's changed now isn't it when you were seeking help for your mental health like how was that especially as a as a black woman because we're here talking about black mental health today so um okay so a bit of background story <laughs> yeah 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 um obviously like i said before i was um depressed but i wasn't able to recognize that i was depressed mm -hmm. um following the death of my father so i went years mm -hmm. on diagnosis years being sad but i wasn't able to recognize that i was depressed mm -hmm. 
And then when I was 19, I remember this specifically, I had a Tumblr. Yeah. And on Tumblr, they had all these little quotes and I used to like and reblog them. Yeah. And I used to like and reblog them because it resonated with how I was feeling. Mm. But I was just thinking I was just sad. I was sad because my dad passed away. I was yeah. sad because my dad died. It wasn't that deep, you know. It was a thing where it's like I was looking at it like, yeah, you're sad, Danae, but every single day you're sad. Mm. I wasn't thinking that like it was anything. I wasn't thinking about, for example, I wasn't going out as a teenager and living life. I wasn't mm-hmm. thinking about that. And then when I was able to recognise that, like, yeah, it was depression, I looked into it and I did, you know, there's online tests where you answer yeah, yeah, how yeah. you feel. Uh-huh. And I scored pretty high and I was like, wow. Mm. So I went to my mom's room around one something in the morning, mm-hmm. going on to two. And I basically said to her that I think I'm depressed and mm-hmm. I want to go and see a doctor. Because at this point I had done my research and you know how Caribbean family are. Listen, yeah, I know. She exactly was just like, she was just like, go see a doctor for what? They're mm. just going to give you pills. You're just going to become addicted to it. So I went further on mm. suffering more. And it mm. became a thing where my mental health got so bad that every little time, but bearing in mind as well, before the, before I was able to recognise that I felt this way, yeah. every time me and my mum would have some jump off, I would get a thought to just kill myself. Yes. But I wasn't recognised. I thought I was just being dramatic because I was a drama and, and I felt like, because we're told that as well, yeah. especially in, in ethnic families as well. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was imprinting it like that or mm. anything like that. And then later on down, after I had that conversation with my mum, we had like another argument of mm. some sort. I can't remember exactly what um there was so much going on in my life and it's like when something bad's happened i even to this day i think about all the bad things mm-hmm. i think about all the bad things and i just think myself more in a mental state and so from there i my mom had these weight loss pills okay. i remember they were blue uh-huh. and i swallowed the whole thing oh, babe, um, yeah. and when i swallowed the whole whole thing i don't think i wanted to die i don't know what it was but yeah. i swallowed the whole thing um and then it was my sister's friend who i confided in and she helped me to the bathroom where i threw them up okay and it would take years later on for me to try to kill myself again mm. and this time it was so serious that i had to go to the hospital mm-hmm. and it was from there it was a thing where i ca- i was kind of forced by the nhs to get help yeah not really. that, I think at that point, once you get admitted, admitted into hospital, it's like yeah. informal. Like there's no, you don't really yeah. have a choice. Yeah, I don't point. have a choice. Yeah, so yeah. I got um, referred to the mental health community in Kilburn. Which good I'm old, sure good old, good old you, know, you know about this one. We've, I've been there, you know. <laughs> so I went there. I went there, did my assessment, and that's when I got the diagnosis mm. of emotional disorder, anxiety, and depression. And got, um, just for the viewers, sorry, babe, just for the viewers that don't know what emotional disorder is, yeah, is that am I am I right in saying that it's in the cusp of borderline personality disorder, or is it a bit different? It's a bit different. So okay. it's a bit like how can I describe it? So. The way how normal people, I, I say normal, we're all a bit crazy. Um, the <laughs> we all have, have our moments. We yeah. all have our moments. But mm. the way normal people regulate their emotions, I can't do that. Mm. So I over I over exaggerate the smallest thing. Mm. Like for example, one day I lost my key. Mm. I, well, I misplaced my key and I had like a mental breakdown over it, an emotional breakdown. My friends are like, Danae, you're going to find the key. And what happened five minutes later, I found the key. So it's a thing like I don't know how to regulate my emotions and then I act upon those emotions mm. and then later on I have anxiety over it. And when I have anxiety over it, it then leads to me thinking myself into depression. So it all incorporates with it each other. It all comes into yeah. like a link. I got you. Okay, yeah, cool. But, um, I got the diagnosis from there and then from there... Mm-hmm. Um, I was put straight onto antidepressants. I was put on citalopram. Okay. 
I took Cisalafram for like a year and a bit, and mm-hmm. then the dosage that they were giving me wasn't good good enough, so they put me on a higher, higher dosage. dosage um, I went on the higher dosage, and then it got to a point where I then overdosed again on those pills. Mm. So they said, okay, we're going to stop giving you antidepressants. Okay. So gave me the option to do psychotherapy. And, and you took it? I took psychotherapy, yeah. and that made a change, really. It yeah, did. psychotherapy but is, um, I recommend it. It was it was really good. It was mm-hmm. really good. No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. But did you, did you feel like at, at all working with the NHS? Because I felt like, for me, when I was, like, um, going through my mental health and with the NHS, like, it was a battle, you know? Mm-hmm. I always I always felt like um, like they just kept trying to give me medication and there was yeah. no real help going on for me until I, until I got qualified to go on psychotherapy but d- did you feel like you felt maybe as a maybe as a um, from someone from like the Bain community or as a black woman yourself there was any like pullback or you felt like so all my or maybe perhaps a difference between yeah. like other patients like white patients and yourself okay so or... all my mental health care yeah was referred through my GP cool and I have a lovely GP surgery okay, and good. she's great this white lady yeah yeah Dr. Paul she's great she listens to you and she takes <laughs> you're saying on board and mm-hmm. she fights for you mm-hmm. so i didn't really feel any racism then i think the only time i felt well i was reminded that i was a black girl mm. suffering from mental health issues was when i went to bronzebury and oh, okay. the guy that i had at bronzebury that did the second because you know you do three assessments yeah, there. yeah the guy that did the third one he was black and he kind of just disregarded the whole thing i was basically telling me to go and pray and to go with mm. this and it made me feel very inadequate it made mm. me feel very small it made me feel possessed especially i mean coming from a black man yeah and i'm thinking you're in this profession profession and i had to look at it and be like had this been a white person that came in he would not have felt as privileged to share his personal opinion but because Mm. i'm black he's looking at it like yeah she's one of me she's a sister she's this she's that and okay, respect And he's telling you this is a prayer. Yeah, but it's also a thing where <laughs> you don't know my personal struggles that's led me to be here today. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people um, from my, not my experience, but from talking to people online and giving advice, mm. a lot of black people don't feel good going to speak to a white therapist. Yeah. All my therapists have been white mm-hmm. and I've been able to express how I feel yeah. without being judged and I've been able to be taken seriously. But I do think that there is a stigma and there is like a barrier that's stopping black women and black men and just ethnic minority people yeah. from getting help firstly it's issues enough not yeah. wanting to address mental health issues but also the moment you address it you're exactly. getting things like you know pray more exactly. or you're possessed exactly. or what you know i mean i don't know how it's in your community but yeah like, it's the same it's thing it's the same, same thing yeah. yeah i was told that depression started to feel possessed it was little stuff like that so yeah. in terms of the nhs mm. i wouldn't say i've faith I can't lie. I haven't faced discrimination through cool. them, but everyone's story is different. The discrimination came from my, my mm. own people saying, oh, she's crazy, she's mad, she's this, she's that. And it's just a bit like, why do people associate mental health with being crazy and being mad? Because mental health is good and mental health is bad. We all have mental health. Yeah. And that's what black people need to realise in the first place. We all have mental health. Mental health is literally about you being able to maintain relationships with people, but most importantly, with yourself. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. We said where you felt like you didn't get it any of the white doctors or any of the white physicians or whatever, but you felt like got it from someone in your own community. And I find that because I feel the same. Yeah, it's the thing where when I finally made that video on YouTube where I spoke about my suicidal um, attempt, I had like mixed reviews. People close to me were embarrassed. Mm -hmm. Some of my family were upset and felt like, 
it was disgraceful mm. towards them. And then I had but, strangers yeah. coming to me so and be weird. like, thank you for sharing this. Yeah. And being like, yeah, I go through anxiety. I go through depression. But it's a thing that when they're telling me it's under hush hush, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with struggling. We're all humans. Look at this world. Look at COVID. Look at everything Look at going 2020. On in the world. Look at what's happening. We're really... Black Lives Matter, all of this stuff. Mm. It's been very draining. If you are going through emotional turmoil, or you feel a certain way, you are allowed and you are obligated to feel that way. Don't let anyone let you feel any different. Yeah, no word. I totally agree yeah. with you. Like, but it's it's so weird, isn't it, when people like have to be so D-lo about their mental health because of what the community you're gonna say. Yeah, and I, I find that because you're saying that like about how the black man said to you, like you need to pray up, sister, and you need to, you know, get closer to God. Like I had um this Indian doctor who saw me on my third assessment. Okay. And I had a white doctor who saw me on my first and she was trying so there's a YouTube video I made about having a change in diagnosis mm -hmm. and I felt like she was giving me this diagnosis because I've seen statistics women from ethnic backgrounds are more likely to get diagnosed with things like BPD but bipolar disorder and, and yeah. bipolar okay, and stuff like yeah. that and I'm like look definitely no I don't have bipolar like I, I kind of knew what was going on with me and she was trying to diagnose me with BPD mm -hmm. and this is, a, this is a white woman and I was like and I told her my thoughts on the statistics mm -hmm. I told her that women are more likely to be diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and she agreed with me she's like yeah I know that but that's not the reason why I'm diagnosing you with that okay. and I got really upset and angry over it and then, I, and then funny enough, like the only people I felt that really got me in my mental health, so my care coordinator, she was black, mm -hmm. woman called Raquel, she was amazing. Mm -hmm. And my therapist, another lady called Brenda, and she was black and she was great with me. Yeah. And I just find it, had I been you or had I been a black woman, had they treated me the same? Because mm -hmm. of how you said the stigma within yeah. the community. And when... I think it's just a thing in the black community is cover up, cover up, cover up, cover up the family secret, mm -hmm. cover up this. It's literally mental health in the black community, and I say this all the time, mm -hmm. it's like the elephant in the room that no one wants to, to address. No mm -hmm. one wants, literally no one wants to address it. Black people are more likely to be diagnosed Diagnose. with depression, to mm -hmm. be diagnosed with this, but black people have systematically created this thing where culturally they self-medicate mm -hmm. by dabbling in marijuana. Dabbling I, I like that you bring that topic up. That's, um, that's a brilliant topic. And stuff. Going out to parties and this and that, and never catching a break. And you know, it's a just trying to live, 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 live. Exactly. And when there is finally that person who's like, never be like, well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> It's long. I've cut different from the clock because <laughs> yeah. I've got the pressure, I've got this, I've got that. I have my low days, I have my low months, my low years, but I'm still going. It's looked at like, nah, she's mad, she's mental, something's wrong with her. Mm. But I look at people and I'm like, how can I be mental? There's nothing wrong with me. Mm. Other than I, I get depressed, I get sad, I, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with me. I'm still able to maintain and manage a job like normal people do, mm -hmm. you know? Just because someone's got mental health issues, it doesn't mean that they're crazy. What What's crazy? What, what does crazy mean? Yeah, like what does that even mean? Right? What does what it mean does to be mad? I don't, I don't really get the logistic behind it. And I just feel like people are very judgmental towards it because they don't understand it. Mm. Or is it that they refuse to understand it? Mm. But then again, I have to also be the devil's advocate and look at how society is. Mm -hmm. Society doesn't allow black people to be weak and it doesn't allow us to be vulnerable. If there's yeah. any... Basically, we have to always keep our guard up. We have mm -hmm. to always have that arresting bitch face. A black woman has to always give, 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 give. Has yeah. to always be ready. We have to take care of the black man, take care of the black kid. If the black man walk away, we have to be the single mom and step up and do this and do that. What about when that woman's feeling weak? Mm -hmm. And what about when that boy, is feel his feelings is hurt because yeah. out of all his friends, you choose to stop him because what? He's black. 
yeah. you choose to search in we don't get that space to be vulnerable so when black people are defensive towards stigmas like mental health i can also understand but and, and i feel like mm. you know like you said like black people are more likely to be diagnosed with mental health in general and i think uh, even maybe on the higher end of mental health with, with like psychotic illnesses is more likely with the um, black community and, and anyone from the BAME community is more likely to be diagnosed with like a, like a long-term serious mental health issue and there, yeah. there is a lot of stigma that comes with that yeah. and, and society i feel like has created this kind of um and, and it's like you're not being taken seriously within your own community and then in society as well exactly and, and that's I a double like, that's a double whammy exactly i feel like even me going and seeing the white therapist that i have mm -hmm. okay good they didn't make me feel like yes yeah, she's black but it's also still a thing where i'm explaining to you how i feel mm -hmm you're just getting paid to kind of tell me what i want to hear mm -hmm. do you really see me mm. do you really understand how i feel as a black woman do you really get when i say i feel so depressed and i can't talk to my family about it i can't like i can confide in my friends but i can't say yeah i want to kill myself and not be labeled as crazy do you actually get that because i don't think mm. you do and i think that was my that was my butterhead with the, with the with the white doctor i had so i was like how can you really you don't really yeah. You're not getting this, like, mm -hmm. and I feel like, you know, because white people bring mental health to the surface, you yes. know, and we are doing now catch up, I guess. Yeah. Ethnic communities are now doing catch up in terms of they have been talking about mental health for like the last 10 years. It's less of a stigma within their mm -hmm. own communities, right? And I feel like, like you said, like when you're telling a white therapist, like, I can't confide in my family, I don't have that kind of support system that you think I should have. And I, and I think, you know, that's, that's a privilege that we you know especially in the black community obviously you guys don't have and we don't have it in our community either there's there's not that kind of i can immediately go home and tell everybody how i'm feeling or i've had a bad day because sometimes even as understanding my family or you know and i'm sure your family have come to terms with your mental health even there's moments now where i'm having a bad day and they're like look at her just being lazy or yeah look at her just i think it's my family who yeah. think where sort of stuff happen they'll be like yeah we're not telling the neighbor because she's too emotional yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um <laughs> so i guess that's just their way of dealing with it really do, do you feel like they've come like so like when you're 19 and you told your mom like how's it been now but i think now she's a lot more understanding mm -hmm. sisters are a lot more understanding yeah having been born in jamaica mm -hmm. and partially raised there and coming here yeah we've been very privileged to be exposed to many different things. So I feel like my family now have kind of gotten in sort of that English mentality where mm. they're able to recognise that, you know, people go through this stuff. My mum works in mental health people, you mm. know, so she's able to recognise and understand. But yeah. I feel like in terms of a lot of black families, like going back to the point I was making earlier, mm. I feel like it's not so much that they don't want to be supportive. It's literally just that thing where you need to be strong because this world is not going to be kind. I actually wrote a poem about this and it said that the world doesn't stop and the world doesn't care if you're sad or the world is going to keep on going and I feel like a lot of black Asian families look at it that way like babe you need to be strong because this world is going to swallow not, you it's not pretty it will mm. swallow you whole unfortunately mm -hmm. because yeah. we're not privileged because of our skin color you're <laughs> no, brown I'm, I'm black we're not privileged because of our skin color yeah. they will look at us and think okay Danae or Sammy committed this crime mm -hmm. and the mental health mental health is going to be the issue and plaster over the newspaper nah mm -hmm. they're going to look at it and actually and, and hold us, us accountable and, yeah, yeah. for our actions mm -hmm. when and a it's lot a of, real fear yeah when a lot of caucasians have been able to get away and to swim under the mental health card mm -hmm. um so you know you know um i don't know if you know but mm -hmm. apparently it's a thing in america where 
when a black boy reaches a certain age, mm-hmm. the parents or the mom sit them down and let them know what to do in case they start by police. Mm. I kind of view ment- mental health kind of like that. Like that. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. thing where it's going to judge you harshly because mm-hmm. of your skin colour. Mm-hmm. I'm currently reading a book and the woman said she kept on anticipating the day when her daughter would finally come to realise that she's black. Mm. and it happened because a white girl was racist towards her daughter and I feel like it's kind of that thing where our parents are kind of shielding us sort of Mm. they're not shielding us in the best way because it's kind of coming off as judgmental and making us feel inadequate with how we feel yeah like Mm. I can't be a hypocrite I have now that I'm a parent I have to sort of understand Mm. because I'm looking at it like okay my daughter one I'm gonna have to give her the hard truth in some way of what it's like to be a woman in society there's a woman in general you Mm. know then i have to add the extra load of what it's like to be a black woman Mm. in society Mm -hmm. so it's a lot and you have to you have to think about in a way that they look at mental health that it's weak yeah you know me personally it's not weak i feel like putting up your hands up and saying i struggle i've been through this i feel like kudos to you and that shows that you are a strong person i'm mm-hmm. not saying that people that don't own it is weak but i'm just saying having the courage to stand up, stand up and, yeah. it gives other people that voice mm-hmm. to to speak up so yeah it happens it happens <laughs> hey shit bro say what is the fun yeah. it's all good you're all right you know what I'm yeah. but um no no i agree with you and because coming back to what you said about having that conversation about being a black woman with mental health and, and you're gonna have to have that conversation with your daughter one day like i remember my brother when i got diagnosed he goes you know life is different for you now because now that you've come out about it you have to work extra hard yep you have to extra hard as a woman as a muslim woman as a brown muslim woman and it's a, it's a i invis- can only imagine it's an invisible label on your head it's like when you when you do a job a job application <laughs> and they ask do you suffer from any illness and you're scrolling down okay i've ticked diabetes and i scroll down i see depression and i'm thinking you hover over it for a bit, right? Should I take it? Mm. Am I going to not get the job because I have bad days? And I actually ticked it for this job that I mm. have. And when I ticked it, I got a call a few days later. Okay. And I could tell that they weren't really calling about the diabetes. They were kind of calling about the depression mm. because okay. I asked what medication I was on. And I was like, I'm not on any medication. I just do therapy. Mm. And it was a thing where, okay, and how many times have you, how many times have you taken off work due to your depression? And it was a thing where I regret ticking it. I regret ticking it, but mm. it's a thing where if I ticked it because I know me and I know there's times where I need mental health. Just thinking in your perspective, in, in your situation. Having a mental health disorder doesn't make you incapable to mm-hmm. do anything. You can do anything in this world. Yeah. Anything in this world. And I want to tell anyone listening that it doesn't matter what your diagnosis is, you can do anything in this world. Anything, anything. you want to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we've already understood that we're more likely to be diagnosed with some form of mental health, but why do you really think that is? Do you think it's based within our community or is it more of a societal thing? I think it's to do with a lack of understanding by the medical um, in charge of our care. Racism takes a toll on people's mental health, Mm. you know, and racism comes in every different shape and um, how, for example, local councils are putting blacks and Asians Mm. in a specific area. Yeah unless it's those Asians that are GPs and teachers that are you know able to move out. Unless it's at a certain class level that you're at, yeah. then you're treated differently. All of those stuff 
takes a toll and i think for whoever is behind that seat they need to be able to understand what it's like to be stereotyped they need mm -hmm. to be able to understand what it's like to be asian what it's like to be black mm -hmm. and i think a lot of these people me genuinely speaking they just go by the code of conduct which is a book that they probably learned in psychology or when they got their degree but they're not really thinking about everyday struggles that someone face someone could come to you today and say mm -hmm. i'm depressed and they list the reason why they're depressed for example i'm depressed because my father passed away mm -hmm. but it's much deeper than that mm. it's much deeper to the point where one you have to look at it that i wasn't born in this country yeah. i've come to this country and i've seen how this regardless that i have my stay and i'm fat i have my status in this country i'm completely fine it's the thing where how does this country perceive and talk about immigrants there's so many there's just so many different aspects that has to be broken down um, i think yeah. going back to the, to the conversation about class and stuff mm -hmm. i feel like you know especially when you come from where we grew up right mm -hmm. so low-income families mm -hmm. we don't come from we don't have rich parents or anything mm -hmm. like that and i feel like when you go into the mental health sector looking for help you're instantly just like you said that with a label you kind of are because when you look moving. at when you look at how overpressure how overworked and, and understaffed the nhs is i mean the waiting the waiting queue to get help with your mental health is absolutely ridiculous mm -hmm. it's ridiculous and i think another big thing as well like coming back to the community and, and the community stigma and i think um sometimes what happens is a lot of kids from i think respective communities hide their mental health for so long then it gets really bad and then i feel like sometimes we just the, the mental health just spirals and then we do get diagnosed yeah it's a, yeah it's a thing where because we're denied act like denied we're um, denied access and our voice is taken away yeah so it literally becomes a thing how can i describe it become a thing where the community won't care mm -hmm. until tragically someone takes their life yeah and even through that the community still looks at it and be like well um they're possessed by demons they're this they're that I still can't believe the demon thing is a thing, you know, because people still it's believe it. It's actually a thing. Like, it's a thing. Genuinely. And I remember when I was doing my research mm. on mental health in the baby community mm -hmm. and literally said the same for Asians and um, Blacks, that yeah. a lot of people turn to religious religion yeah. when they're faced with such troubles. Mm -hmm. A lot of the time... What would you say I to mean, the Black community that keeps turning to religion? If it works for you, it works for mm -hmm. you. I, I'm not going to knock it down. Yeah. It didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, same. It not that. No, I mean, it, not it to sound like like blasphemous, but yeah, it just it just per personally just didn't work for me. You yeah. know, I feel better now, but I was I was still struggling. I still couldn't regulate my emotions. I still couldn't, you know. There's religion, and then there's mental health, and they're two like I feel like they don't co like they don't coincide unless you're trying unless religion helps you feel better, right? Like you said. Yeah. Um, but I feel like. Yeah, it's, it's kind. It's kind of like putting a bandaid over the wound, and mm. then when it opens up again, you just add another bandaid. Right. I believe in just tackling and facing the problem head mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. That's that's just my opinion. Really. Yeah. And back to the point, sorry, that I was making earlier. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a thing as well where I don't know if you want to admit it, but I will admit it. Even Go going to see a therapist mm -hmm. that's white, there was certain stuff that I held back on mm -hmm. that. I didn't say because I was thinking, yeah, you just won't get it or you won't know what to say. So you hold back. So it's also just that thing where we're kind of like, we kind of hold back. So whatever label gets slapped onto us, the thing where, yeah, well, you hold back. Mm. And I feel like it's out of fear. 
because a lot of the time I help out because I was thinking I don't want to get sectioned I don't want to end up on pills I don't want to you know that's always Mm. been my thing so you know yeah no I I completely understand what you mean and 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 same with me like coming back to when when the lady gave me the diagnosis and she was like that's just how I how I view you right with the with the BPD Mm. she was a white doctor yeah like you just fucking don't understand isn't it she's like well all your relationships are are you you act really emotionally bearing in mind this is just around the time that Heidi had passed away yeah i'm like here i'm dealing with grief like i just felt like yo white lady i'm just do you know that Mm -hmm. yo do you know what i'm going through right now like i'm losing a lot right now and i think this is coming back to we're just slapped with diagnoses you know or we come across as aggressive or you come across as um yeah aggressive be angry like you said angry black woman but really your guard is just up the guard is so high up and it's hard to not feel a lot of and being someone that works in a school i see how from a young age Mm -hmm. it can happen to a child Mm -hmm. i see how a child can be groomed as in in criminal activities yeah i also see how a child is taught yeah other than at home Mm -hmm. when they're um in the edu in the educational space that Mm -hmm their feelings don't matter because they're kind of silenced, you know? If the black boy cries and get upset, oh my God, he was aggressive, send him to IE. Send him to isolation. Oh, he's excluded for two days. But have you actually sat to ask that child, maybe this morning he never had something to eat. Maybe this morning mom and dad had an argument. Maybe this morning he was late. I can't tell you how much times I came to school upset. (laughs) If my teachers had just kicked me out of class or been like like Danae, da, da, da. Mm. I probably would not be where I am today I've, to have gone on to university and done all the great things that I've done mm-hmm. had those teachers not ignored me. Mm. And I'm glad that they didn't ignore me because if they didn't be like, oh, look at her, yeah. and typical black girl being aggressive, get out. Yeah, when you were in school though, did you feel like you had support from the teachers? Because personally, we went to the same school, right? And yeah. I just feel like, yo, zero, they didn't give a fuck. I think because I came from Jamaica, Yeah and i had a different perspective on respect that mm. teachers should be given i feel like not really? feel like i was very like yeah i mean you're a good kid man i was very like yeah i wasn't getting in trouble or anything i was very liked and yeah. i was supportive with i remember when i first came mm-hmm. to england and i first felt the cold and i had like a breakdown mr anderson came and hugged me and he was like it's okay you're so he cute. was the best english teacher he was now. amazing i feel like i did have support and yeah. when it came around to my dad's death anniversary mm-hmm. my class and my close friends kind of came together and they supported me in the best way that they can mm. i did have support <laughs> So, kind of, what are your what are your feelings surrounding that, and with the racial climate right now, like, how do you feel, and how is that affecting the mental health of the black community? It's very draining. I feel mm-hmm. like this year has been a hard year for black people. I feel like we've had a lot of losses, we've had a lot of grief, we've had, we've been mourning, we've just been made to be reminded that we're not equal. Mm-hmm. I think this year has been extremely hard on black people. It's just a thing where okay, it's illegal to be black here, mm-hmm. but in our own country as well, it's mm-hmm. illegal to be black. Mm-hmm. Like what's happening in Nigeria? Yeah. I think, and it's yeah, a thing I mean, where- what's happening in Nigeria right now is-, is Yeah. And it's just, it's insane. just something as well that we're still told that we have to be strong. We're still told that we have to get on with it. We have to be strong. It's like, it's like we shouldn't be traumatized and we shouldn't feel away by 
watching a black man getting killed on camera, we shouldn't feel a way that mm. this cop that's killed George Floyd yeah. have contributed to another black child being fatherless. Mm. We shouldn't look at it and put ourselves in that shoe and be like, that could be me, that could be my brother, that could be my my husband, that could be my boyfriend, that could that could be my friend. Yeah. You know, it's a thing where racism mm -hmm. and everything that's gone on this year has and will take a massive impact on black people's mental health yeah i'm sorry but we're not we're not seeing white people getting killed like that we're not we're like not. like even animals dogs are treated better the thing where we're being exposed to so much on social media where people have the cheek yeah. to be talking about blue lives matter all lives matter it's a thing yeah, where it's kind of like mm. black people are at the bottom of that pyramid really interesting. we're carrying the whole pyramid and we're at the bottom <laughs> yeah. we've built your country we've done this we've done that and we're at the we're carrying all of them on our backs mm -hmm. all of them on our backs and it's a thing yeah. where people can sympathize but how much do you get it yeah i mean like blackout tuesday yeah you just posted a black screen but do you get it what have you exactly. done for the black lives matter movement exactly. exactly it's just and this was my issue within my own community like the muslim community the arab Middle East and whatever Asian community, Kaspa, Kamanda being so mixed, yeah. But this is the issue I had, and I was like, there was because there was a lot of energy, there was a lot of vim online from different communities, mm -hmm. you know. And I feel that for my issue is, I felt like you're just showing face. That's it. You're know saying you're just I had, I you're had, just showing face mm -hmm. to your black friends. Your black friends think you're on board, but are you really having those conversations with your mom and dad? I had people that I went to university with mm -hmm. and I kept on watching these are white people <laughs> I kept on watching yeah. and they only ever acknowledged black black light matter when it was blackout Tuesday mm. nothing else was said since then since then and it's it's a shame it's a real and, and anybody listening if, and if that's you, the thing with um another black a black man dying they just become a hashtag mm? right just Brianna, Brianna, an Instagram Brianna, Brianna Taylor yeah an accessory for people to be wearing earrings that say Brianna Taylor to be, to be posting bikini pics and saying arrest the cops that killed Brianna Taylor. Sister, post your pic and I was like, well, when when you decided to be a part of Blackout Tuesday or the BLM movement back then, when you when you give yourself to a movement, you're part of the movement. Do you know what I mean? Continuously. You, you're continuously. Don't jump on something for one thing and think that you don't need to spread everyone, your voice across. Everyone nowadays want to be an activist, <laughs> a social media activist. That's it. They don't want to get out there and physically do the work. You know? And I think, like I said, that at the time where everything happened with the Black Lives Matter movement, it was nice seeing a load of communities coming together. All, all communities need to do that now come together especially especially the black and asian communities because i feel like there's a there's sometimes a lot of, there's, there's a lot, a lot of friction. there's a lot of divide yeah. because i feel like a lot of the asian community they don't even count themselves with us they don't yeah no a lot, a lot of them, them don't. don't a lot of them don't a lot of them don't and i feel like looking at the asian community until a white them... person reminds them <laughs> you're the minority too mate yeah mate you don't and i felt like yo i'm so thankful that you said that because i thought this is my issue with asian people yeah mm. and i'm putting it out here like bluntly yeah some of you lot don't realize you're brown you know some of you I really remember, wake up I in the morning growing up in school there was like some somalian people saying they ain't black and i'm like <laughs> are so you what's your skin this? like <laughs> this is the thing like obviously i'm i'm from baluchistan mm -hmm. right and we have a big black community with women and mix and my dad's mix and my mom's mix as well so i've always grown up with never seeing myself nothing but a person of color color yeah mm -hmm. so i've never 
I've n- I've never built a divider. Most of my friends growing up were black, so I think I understood the community better because I was so engrossed with it at a young yeah, age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I speak to Asian people now, I'm like, a lot of you come with this energy as if you ain't a part of the minority. A lot of you, a lot of you hate on black people. You have the most to say, never nothing nice. Mm-hmm. But here you are, copying the culture, spreading the culture, wearing the clothes, doing the most. You're only taking a piss. It's completely taking a piss. You've seen a man get killed and you can't have empathy and sympathy for the fact that he has a child and a family. Huh? There was an Asian blogger and she got done for it. So she, she during the Black Lives Matter movement, I don't even know if you're aware of this, she made a video on um, on her thing. And she's got like, what, 500k, almost near a million followers, like under the cusp, yeah? And she put out, I don't understand this. Or don't all lives matter? All, and bearing in mind, this is a woman that on Halloween she dressed up as Riri. Wow. She one time had dreads, like bare things. And obviously she got blasted for it and she had to come off social media completely. And I'm not like, I'm not penalizing her because she came back and she apologized. But for me, like, honestly, yo, it's feel oh, just feel good. You're a grown person. Oh, and she's got children. It's there where you can educate yourself. Why? Why don't you educate yourself? The option is there, it's available. And to the thing you. is, she was told Listen. about it and it took her a while to remove it. And that's what it's like. And then later on, came with it and came with an apology and had to delete all her posts. And I was like, I didn't really feel bad for her. You know, some people are like, oh, I feel bad for her. It was a mistake. It was a... Nah. Mm-hmm. That's something I expect from a 12-year-old. Mm-hmm. That kind of mistake. This is thing that people don't understand. Education is free. Yeah. It's ignorance that is expensive. Right? And I think we keep expecting black people to explain the situation for us. We, oh, my God. You know we, ex- like- we expect black people to, <laughs> black people to be the saviour while being the, the oppressed. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I ain't got the energy, girl. I don't blame you, sis. <laughs> I, I'm losing patience trying to explain this to people that this is a, it's it's not that like community's job to educate. If you're not willing to educate yourself and see that what is happening is wrong, mm-hmm. then I don't need to be talking to you. Like you know, coming back to the point you made earlier, yeah, when you said um how um you know you have to be the angry black woman, quote unquote, you know, mm-hmm. and you have to keep this strong image no shit no nonsense no shit no nonsense yeah and i remember one time i was in a conversation with a group of people and this this asian girl obviously she turns around she's like but some black girls are just so rude like they never want to be your friend and they they just always don't you just feel like they always have an attitude i'm just like no i don't always feel like they have an attitude and i hate how people for example we see a gay gay man or a trans guy acting a certain way and be like why are you trying to act like a black woman how is that a black woman? What does that even mean? Exactly. And and furthermore, okay, so why do you associate ghetto with being black? <laughs> do you know? It doesn't connect to me, yeah. so I don't know. Mm, no, I, I, and I totally agree with you. And I remember just looking at her like, have you ever thought about why someone has to be like that? Don't you? Haven't you never thought to yourself in your little world bubble that you live in, thinking that racism doesn't hit you because you've now masked yourself because I, I see it all the time with brown girls and I can call them out because they're from my own community I see it all the time just this whitewashed idea of who you think you are no exactly. culture uncultured just no links to nothing <laughs> no knowledge just vibes no knowledge just vibes <laughs> you get me and here you are you're thumping out music that isn't from your culture but then you're here talking about a culture and saying that there's an attitude about this culture that you don't like but you've never thought to think where does that come you from or why get, you would get up and put braids in your hair, cameras, but you won't really understand black issues. Please. You take black <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And silent on black issues. <laughs> Do you know, they're silent and, and that was a big thing that came out during in June when 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 the 
when the movement fired up again. And it, and it's true. And I'm happy that people said that. You know, I knew I knew this. I know this one girl. It's kind of like, kind of like we were crying out and asking for other communities to support us, and they just <laughs> held their head straight and be like. <laughs> Ain't my business, right? And some of them were like, "Oh, you know what? To boost my Instagram following, yeah, guys, I'll support you for a week, and then I'm out of here." Mm-hmm. You know, and it's shameful, man. Whoever's listening to this and you did that, it's shameful. And I know a lot of people that did, mm-hmm. and I know a lot of people that were supporting the movement, but for just to show face, like we were saying. And um, I'm here to say, yo, man, cut that fucking shit out. Mm-hmm. You know, especially my community. Grab a mirror, look into it deeply. If you think you're a part of the the white community. And you're a part of that all lives matter thing. Now nah, move out of it, man. Mm-hmm. Move out of it because I I feel like um, the black community has, like you said, systematically been oppressed it for has. years, it for has. years. And outside of America, it's happening in the UK, it's happening in the Middle East, it's happening across the globe. Systematically oppressed. So the the idea that all lives matter is not yeah. is is not definitely <laughs> just to end on that note. Yeah, yeah. cut that fucking <laughs> shit out. Please. Cut it out, mate. Yeah, because <laughs> black lives matter. Definitely. Still, now, today, forever, always. That is it. Amen. Right. Amen. So, yeah, guys, we asked some of our followers to throw in some questions today about mental health in the black community. And So, first one says, advice for non-supportive friends due to bad mental health. Sammy, Ooh. what advice would you give for someone that has non-supportive friends? Um... This is something I've personally gone through. Okay. Personally, when I came about came out about my um, mental health to my friends, First off, I didn't say that it was me that had schizophrenia. I made up somebody. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I know someone who has this. And I remember my friends at the time were studying psychology. I remember my friend being like, whoa, that's crazy. At that moment, I thought, yo, that is, this is hard, you know? This is going to be a harder battle than I thought. And, and then uh, you know, a couple of years later, I had a really bad spot on mental health and, and I tried to commit suicide. And it was really bad. I actually, it's when around the time I did a documentary with the BBC, I had just oh, come yeah, out remember, of the hospital. Yeah. And um, at that point, my friends had completely deserted me, you know? This was like, the support system that I thought was there had completely gone. Yeah. And I think one thing with mental health, and I know it's hard because we really want support and we really die for that and we yearn for it. I think this might seem a little bit harsh. I think really and truly start getting really comfortable with yourself, you know? Be your own. Sometimes you have to be your own supportive system. I've had both supportive and non-supportive friends. My advice would just be to surround yourself with people that are fine for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Surround yourself with people that care about you. Mm-hmm. Surround yourself with people that they don't need to gain anything from your friendship. They're mm-hmm. there because they love you and they care about you. And I think that's when you know that you've hit the jackpot. Right. So definitely. No, I agree with you. And you know, and, and it took me a long time. I didn't have friends for a little while and mm-hmm. I battled and I struggled. Mm-hmm. But then I realised um the, the people that do support me and the people that, that are there they are the people you need to tap into. Definitely. But also, definitely, like I said, have a s- secure sense of self and really work on that. Definitely. How and when did you realise you had issues with your mental health? When did you realise there was a stigma within the black community for mental health? From a very young age. Mm-hmm. From a very young age. Obviously, my granddad, who's half, who's half black. Uh, yeah, I just saw it from there. I wrote an article about racial denial. Yes, I've read community. that. I've read that. Uh, my granddad, who, if you look at him, you obviously can see this is a this is a black man. Mm-hmm. You know, even though his um his mother was half Iranian, mm-hmm. he he just completely denied his race, and and that part of his life. So I think I saw it early on. Yeah. I saw that that figure of a strong black man and how you have to be very 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 strong because mm-hmm. you will be penalized and you will be stigmatized, especially in, in a time like the nineteen seventies in England. You know, yeah. it was 
no blacks, no Irish, no dogs. Yeah. Do, do you get what I mean? So it was it was, it. It was serious only. and whites yeah. only. So I think yeah. I saw it very early. Best advice for overcoming depression. I'll go first. You um, go first, yeah. I don't think there's personally I don't think there's anything as overcoming depression. Mm -hmm. Um I think you have your good days and you have your bad days. Don't look at it that you need to overcome any this try and focus on keeping yourself level yeah. and be able to my advice actually would be to come up with a way to work through your issues mm -hmm. figure out what your trigger sign if i'm in a situation where okay i feel myself getting angry and what are my triggers i'm sweating my mouth is ready to go off mm -hmm. my heart beating fast i know to walk away from a situation mm -hmm. so what i would say is to be more aware of the triggers that would help you to overcome i agree i don't really like to change the word overcome because i feel like that's kind of selling yourself a dream because mm. then further down the line you might get depressed again so i would just say to level your depression yeah to find a balance yeah yeah and i get you i feel like with me and my depression when it because obviously with schizophrenia comes depression and anxiety right mm -hmm. and when, when it comes to me it comes really hard i find it difficult to get out of bed mm -hmm. i just don't want to talk to no one mm -hmm. Don't want to eat, don't want to shower, thinking that yesterday's trash, you know. And um, I feel like for me, one of, the, one of the things I do is I make sure whatever happens, I go and do the shower. Yeah. Run run yourself a hot bath, you know, self-care yeah, in moments like this. It definitely helps, yeah. You definitely. know, and and journaling, which I know you yeah, write a lot. You're a writer, journaling. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And journaling. I think journaling, we can both find, say. Find something that you love and just stick to it and put all your energy into that. Try and find or even look in the mirror every day every morning and give every morning and every night before bed mm -hmm. and give yourself a positive affirmation comes on my phone every morning mm. and says you are loved you're beautiful yeah. you're this you're that yeah and you are thank you, you are thank you, thank you very beautiful. next one um what was your mental health like during pregnancy and after so i've answered the during and i'll do the after cool. i'd say now i'm aware of things aware of how i feel so i'm able to work through it in the best way that I possibly can. I still have my bad days, I still have my good days. On my bad days, yeah. um, I watch a movie, I read, I spend time with my daughter, um, I listen to her laugh, I re-watch videos of her. Um, so at the moment, I would say I'm in a space where I'm content. How do you preserve your mental health in a toxic environment, especially mm. at home? <laughs> oh, uh, oh, woo, sis. Preserve. Uh, preserve it. Uh, okay. You so, go first and then I'll shoot. Girl. <laughs> I've been holding on to my mental health for dear life. It's a girl. So what yeah. I would say is save. Save and execute your plan. Whatever way you can get by in that toxic environment, do just that. If there's a way to leave it, then leave. Mm -hmm. If not, try and find a way to coexist, unfortunately. You know? My whole thing would just be like, if you're able to move out, if this is a family house, I'm mm -hmm. presuming, mm -hmm. if you're able to move out, do it. Yeah. Don't look at it that you're sacrificing your mental health because London is so expensive or whatever, whatever. Do it. Your mental health is the most important thing and that is your number one priority. Mm -hmm. So my thing about um, preserving your mental health in a toxic environment is try and find stuff that helps you. If there's an argument in the house, put your headphones in, listen to a song, practice some yeah. yoga, do some mindfulness, you mindfulness. know, little stuff like that. Go for a walk. Get out things, of the house and not things can. calm down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't entertain arguments and look for your trigger point so you can avoid it. Mm. So 
that would be my advice. Yeah, I, I think for me in a toxic so when I moved out, my household situation was very toxic. My dad has mental health as well, mm-hmm. and he suffers with it quite badly. So two people with mental health problems living in a household isn't easy right and it got really toxic at one point you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and i feel like for me yeah i moved out but i've moved back in now so i'm a little bit back in that environment and i feel like what i do now is i have boundaries yes I have set boundaries, boundaries that and, if they don't respect it that's it right and and you know people in, in um my family have boundaries with me you know there's certain boundaries they keep with me because when you're in a household everyone starts getting on each other's shit right mm-hmm. and like just have your boundaries you don't want to engage in something just to step away from it and be like look i don't think this is for me mm-hmm. this conversation i don't want to engage in it and mm-hmm. just be firm yeah. be firm be firm with, with with demanding your boundaries and don't yeah. fear it you know because it depends on the level of toxicity but if it's one that you can bear and grit and you have to stay have your boundaries have your time ha- dedicate me time daily Definitely. daily have your me time mm-hmm. and wind down and do whatever it is that you love to do yeah um, and last one mm-hmm. Can you be diagnosed but refuse medication? Yeah, I did. Most definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, it's not a must that you have to go medication. Mm-hmm. You don't have to if you don't want to. Yeah. There's so many different treatments for mental health mm-hmm. other than medication. No, I've done it. Psych- psychotherapy. I've also yeah. done art therapy. There's music therapy. Drama therapy. therapy. Drama therapy. Yeah. I think if you choose not to go down the medication route, because that was me. So when I got diagnosed, they were like giving me pamphlets for medication, and I'm and I. You know, I agreed to take it in the beginning. They gave me the pills and I was like, do you know what, guys? The way my paranoia set up, because I have the paranoia to have a schizophrenia, yeah? I was like, there's no way I'm taking any of this medication. And I'm, I was like, look, I'm in my sane mind. So don't try to tell me I'm acting or I'm being delusional because I know. I did all my research and mm-hmm. I put it put it towards my doctor. And I was like, no, anything, no medication. I'm just mm-hmm. not doing it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, all right, cool. Put me on a program for, um, for psychotherapy. Okay. And, and I was lucky to go through that because I went through the NHS, I guess. Mm-hmm. So yeah i think definitely look at alternative routes medication is not for everybody but it also is for some and there should be no stigma around somebody who chooses to go down the medication route you know don't listen to me and think oh sammy didn't take medication and i can so i'm not going to take it yeah but we're all different we're all we're all different yeah yeah, that's that's and you have to pick and if medication isn't for this individual choose choose the best um option for you yeah of course so is the stigma is the stigma of mental health um the same in the black community as it is in asian communities um, oh actually yeah, yeah. I, I would say <laughs> yeah. yeah i would say yeah i feel like the stigma is definitely not far off you know similar. it's not far off um obviously there's the racism side um which i think is a bit different yeah it's yeah. a bit different um mm-hmm. i mean obviously the feelings that come from be from experienced racism mm-hmm. is slightly the same but mm. um in terms of you know racism it's like people are the one that went through slavery for almost 600 years mm-hmm. so um it's a but different other than yeah. that i would say yeah there's a bit of there's a bit of similarities i would say. what's one piece of bad advice you've been given or he- or have heard being given to someone who's dealing with mental illness i mean it I... could it could be worse <laughs> at least you're not dead that's oh, those ones some people have it worse mm. there's people dying in other countries yeah that's things definitely not to say to someone it's kind of it's kind of making someone feel inadequate and the last question was what was your first interaction with well why can't i read today <laughs> the next question was what was your first interaction with mental health my first interaction with mental health would be like face on i would say yeah. that time at st mary's hospital okay after i had, um took the pills uh-huh. i would say yeah mm-hmm. i think my first interaction with mental health i think was probably me uh, at a younger age that like when i was younger my dad uh, my dad went, went to prison 
Okay. So when he came out of prison, I think that's when I saw depression really firsthand. It proper oh. knocked him for six. Like it really mm-hmm. um, took a toll. Mm-hmm. So I think that's when I first really saw mental health for me personally. Okay. Yeah. That's it. That's it for today. I oh, listen. You've been a pleasure. I think we've touched on some really, really, really important points, mm-hmm. and I really hope um, listeners you take on what I've said, what Daniel said. Like I said, like I'm going to continue saying. The battles that the black community face within mental health from society and within your own communities is tough. Yeah. Right. And what I can say to my listeners is be mindful, you know, practice, practice empathy, understand that life is different from yours for other people. Yeah. Everyone's life experiences is different. And my advice to anyone watching or listening to this, whether you've been open, you've openly spoke about your mental health or not, my thing that i always go by and i don't really care if people say it's selfish Mm -hmm. my whole thing is um the most important person in your life is yourself Mm -hmm. and i feel like act accordingly Mm -hmm. um put yourself first and know that whatever you're feeling there's absolutely nothing new under the sun and you are okay it is okay to have whatever to feel whatever you're feeling Mm -hmm. you know and just hang in there you'll be okay you'll be okay all right guys so thank you so much for listening to this episode of the ancient podcast i'm your host sammy and we had daniel on today and uh, guys please remember to follow us on instagram it's at the ancient podcast if you have any questions please dm us and um i'm just going to get daniel to repeat her social media handles for us yes so on instagram you can find me at the name which is d-x-n-n-i-a and oh and also you can find me on youtube at um the brown where i do videos about mental health so thank you thanks guys Bye. bye